Hi everyone, I'm your host, Daniel Lee, and welcome to OMD Daily, a podcast about investing in people. Every Monday to Friday, I share with you what I learned the day before from studying people and companies through conversations, whether it's through interviewing investors and business leaders, to reading books and financial reports, and digesting learnings from all the other storytelling mediums out there. The goal is to build my own PhD in combining human performance with investing to figure out how I can help leaders build utopian companies. By exploring my own curiosity, I hope to become a little wiser every day and hope this adds a little nugget of learning to you on a daily basis. Hello, hello. Welcome to OMD Daily. So, May 8th, yeah, May 8th, 2020, um, I got an email from, I think it's some kind of podcasting agency, and they just kind of reached out and asked if I would like to have, I guess, one of their client uh, members on my podcast as a guest for accounted for and so I was extremely flattered um probably going to be a no just I just don't find the person interesting but I've lately been having um these organizations like I think I had one like US based like career recruiting company um the founder one like the marketing person reached out and asked if I wanted to have the founder on the podcast and I just replied back saying super um what is that? I'm blanking on the word. But, you know, like, I was telling them I'm super thankful, super grateful, um, flattered. Flattered is the word. Yeah, so I was just telling them I'm flattered that you'd consider uh, my podcast, but, yeah, I'll pass. And then I thought that'd be okay, and then they kind of replied back kind of a little more aggressively, saying, oh, like, why would you not want to have our founder on your podcast? Do you know how great he is? And that, like, he's going to be so valuable to your audience and look how all the stuff he does and how amazing he is. And, yeah, I, I kind of got pretty turned off by that. Like, it's, I've already done the research and I've looked at your founder and I'm not really interested. But anyhow, I just kind of have a little bit of a fear that this might be the same thing. So I don't know if I just kind of reply back saying, ah, oh, thanks, but not interested. But... I'll probably just do that just to be nice. But yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I think the person's background this time was some kind of accountant turned like founder of a healthcare kind of company, but I just didn't find the person interesting. So, And I think there's definitely that thing where you just don't want to be sold to. And yeah, I generally want to find people to and talk to because I find them exciting and I, I'm just curious about them. And I generally, when someone I trust recommends that I talk to someone, then I, you know, definitely have faith in that recommendation. But I think when out of the blue things come out and they say, oh, you should have someone that I know on your podcast, I go, well, I don't really know you. You don't know me. Why should I trust you? And so, yeah. So, you know, overall, good thing, though. I think it's awesome that um, someone thought my podcast was valuable enough to get their client tell on my podcast so yeah that was kind of a good way uh to start the morning well actually i didn't start the morning that way i started the morning with the constellation software annual meeting no but no better way than to start your day from 8 a.m to like 12 p.m i think the classic i think someone tweeted it was like a four-hour master class in business um yeah like honestly it was a lot of fun like it doesn't seem that long ago that I had the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, which was a solid, that's probably about a four to five hour um, meeting as well. But yeah, this was super fun. Um, 
despite being a shareholder for some like f- four years or so on for Constellation Software, um, this was my first annual meeting, and so I'm really happy that I attended, and I definitely hope to attend in person next year as well. Um, but yeah, I think I figured I figured for today I'll just kind of go over various kind of points I learned. I won't go. I don't think I'll go over my mountain of notes. Like the notes are kind of endless. Um, and I've, I was honestly the whole time I was just trying to type really quickly to not lose whatever Mark Leonard was saying. Although I should have realized that yeah, there's going to be a transcript later, so I should have maybe paid attention a little more to what he was saying instead of focusing on taking notes. But that's gonna be something I've hoped to do in the near future. Where I'll just grab the transcript and I'll kind of compare and try to dig a little deeper into things I might have missed. But anyhow, I thought I'd talk about um, yeah, Constellation software and just key things I learned from the 2019 um, annual meeting. Well, I guess it's hold, held in 2020, but it's about 2019. Yeah, I always get confused on what to call those. But um, yeah, so let's see. I think if I was to touch upon, let's see, like the first, or I think, ooh, well, I think uh, the a, a big wow factor was when Mark Leonard, the founder, kind of uh, threw shade at Bruce Flat at Brookfield Asset Management when he kind of commented how, um, you know, Constellation won't, won't be kind of bailing out their own companies like Brookfield does by making their own retailers pay rent to uh, Brookfield's own REIT subsidiary. So I thought that was pretty funny. And it's, I think the... I guess investor community got a good laugh out of that because Brookfield and Constellation are kind of, I think, the two bright stars in the Canadian investing universe. Like, I think some people might argue, like, Shopify might be part of there too, but generally there aren't, there's kind of like a handful of what people would consider amazing, like, outsider CEOs. And, you know, those include Bruce Flatt uh, of Brookfield, Mark Leonard of Constellation, Toby Lequet of Shopify, um, Jay Hennick of First Service Corp, as well as Colliers, and the team at Boyd Group, um, I forget their name. And honestly, they kind of, I think, are the more, they're the ones that stick out. Like, there are a few kind of legacy folks. Um, I think I remember maybe, like, Alimentation Kushtard and MTY um, might have been part of that group before, but I think that's kind of not the case anymore, especially given how the traditional levered roll-up strategy is just kind of not working out as well. And you know, it's just questionable when you don't, when you can't really generate much organic growth as well. But yeah, so I thought that was a pretty, pretty fun part to kind of uh, hit upon the early sessions of. The annual meeting, um, conversation kind of being very straightforward about how they think about their companies and how they're not going to be like, you know, using their own funds to bail out their own companies, um, but kind of forcing a weird interrelated or like, like non-arm's length kind of transaction. Um, I think a big thing overall that was spoken about was um, the use of capital 
for this oncoming, I think, COVID crisis. Um, we've actually kind of also briefly touched upon. So I think the big question for Constellation was, you know, like how Rob Smith, Rob Smith from Vista Equity Partners, which is kind of the private equity version of Constellation software, they also, they kind of specialize in vertical market software as well. But Rob Smith famously previously said how, um, like, SaaS revenue was better than firstly in debt um, because, you know, subscription revenue will continue to get paid when you provide these mission-critical software where the client needs needs them for the operations to exist and so they'll actually not pay de- debt um, and opt to pay software bills first before debt. And I think con- I kind of looked upon Constellation as like the biggest testament of that to see is that really the case? Because Constellation, you know, a good chunk of the revenues are from government contracts, and they really do focus on what they call mission-critical software, where they are the number one, number two player in any kind of vertical market that they play in. And, I mean, you know, Mark Leonard did talk about how, yeah, like, because, you know, there are 200-plus businesses in Constellation, it can't be denied that some have been hit, but he also talked about how they will most of the results will be kind of reflective more so in Q2 than Q1 um, because it seems that the big hit happened in April, not so much March, at least for their business. And so he also kind of referenced the general market as well in terms of, yeah, like you'll start to kind of see more of how big that impact is in Q2. So that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, and it seems like, yeah, like, you know, it's not like they kind of came out of it unscathed. However, I think another thing to kind of consider was, yeah, like they have, you know, ample cash. Uh, they have a very cash-generated business. They also have, you know, probably debt available. Are they going to use capital to buy businesses out? And, yeah, like I think a lot of people had questions on um, leverage, availability with, you know, with, a lot of private equity firms coming into the vertical market spa- software space. And I think overall, the messaging was relatively similar, like how Constellation is uniquely positioned, um, where they are like long-term ho- holders, whereas like I think Larry was talking about, like, you know, P firms will flip three to four years out and managers have to be kind of comfortable making that kind of decision. And so Constellation ends up bringing, attracting a certain kind of um, operator founder team who wants to sell their business. Like they end up selling to people who want the business to last for a period of time longer than just a three to four year flip. They want the business to be sustainable. They want, sometimes many of them actually want to be still involved in the company. They just want to, um, I guess, kind of get liquidity on the ownership that they had. So that's something that he touched upon. I think he's in terms of opportunities, he talked about how I think in terms of the big opportunities he's seeing potential he hopes like the opportunities will come out in the form of like carve outs where um he might buy like they might buy out like I guess something like a a business segment of a larger company, um, whether it's a private equity fund or just a larger software company. And but none of them seems to have come available at the moment and so he's waiting to see and he also commented on how I think the you know just with the government providing all these funds they're kind of acting as the market by providing all these financings and so 
the opportunities will come when this economic situation persists. And so when we hit the point where the government financing can no longer sustain the business, businesses any further, that's when probably companies like Constellation can kind of swoop in and start potentially making acquisitions. Um, and then on the on the point of leverage, um, yeah, I think Mark Leonard was very clear that they don't, Constellation doesn't like using leverage. They prefer to use retained earnings. Um, they always have, they'll have cash on hand to help any of the operating companies, but just the overall messaging was that, yeah, Constellation is not a fan of using leverage at all. Like they will use it strategically at some point, um, but the preference is always to use cash. Um, yeah, which honestly I'm 100% happy with. Um, yeah, like I'd rather have a company that is very responsible with their balance sheet and continues to maintain a healthy balance sheet. Um, something he noted about copycats, uh, the private equity firms that tend to copy what Constellation does, it, that's kind of also the reason why I think Leonard's been a little more guarded and then he stopped kind of publishing his annual reports, talking more about what he did and the mistakes he makes. It's because he doesn't want the copycats to know all everything that Leonard does because he's previously been very open about what they do. And so, yeah, he also talks about how he actively studies them all the time, um, which I think is good. And he definitely was a little more guarded in talking about which companies um, they were and how they kind of deal about that. Overall, it's honestly, it's really cool to see uh, Constellation, like they kind of gave a whole geographical overview on the investment landscape that they're looking at. And I think the story holds in all regions that, they're just trying to build footholds in every part of um, the continents they touch, South America, Europe, Asia. Um, they're getting, they're focused on having people on the ground, like getting local people in Japan, local people in South America, local people in you know France. Uh, I think there are current hubs like Germany, Israel, Israel as, as like the kind of the bigger areas. But, you know, they've constantly, I think throughout the call, they continuously stressed uh, how different cultures, like how each region is very different uh, culturally, and so you really need local talent there. And they also talked about how, like, particularly places like even South America, that how talent isn't really is kind of untapped, um, like highly technical talent, and that might be because you know, maybe there isn't that many North American companies like Constellation who go in there who want to set up a full uh, local team. I think many try to do it from offices in North America instead of building teams in the actual country, country that they want to invest in. And so Constellation is definitely focused on building stuff out. And so they continue to see opportunities there, which is exciting. Um, let's see. Hmm. In regards to, I think, the early parts of January 2020, Mark Leonard said, Never before have people paid so much for large vertical software companies with ever more dry powder available to PE investors in this space. And I, f I felt like that was, that kind of implied how Leonard expects uh, pricing to improve over, um, later in these, this economic cycle um, because yeah, prices were heavily, you know, in somewhat inflated, um, yeah, PE funds still have a lot of dry powder um, available to them, and I think a lot can also, they kind of have all this locked in, 
locked up capital that they can kind of draw in from their current base of LPs. So, yeah, I think before PE funds were, you know, they're continuously reaching for yields through uh, investors who just couldn't get the yield they wanted from bonds and even public equity markets, and they ended up buying software at really high prices, but software companies at really high prices. And so, yeah, it's it's true, and hopefully we will see a period of better pricing for Constellation's sake. Um, what else did we talk about? In regards to hurdle rates, so interest rates fell again with um, further financing by the Fed and you know just further quantitative easing. And so there, I think there were questions on the hurdle rates, like because Constellation has internal hurdle rates that they have for um, acquisitions, and with you know falling interest rates. Are they going to reduce the rates? And Leonard was very clear that no, they pl- don't have any plans of doing that. And he kind of went on like a long description about the value of having discipline in hurdle rates because a lot of companies will try to re- reduce hurdle rates um, when debt gets cheap. But once you reduce the hurdle rate, it's really hard to make kind of increase it again. So it's kind of that slippery slope where once you start decreasing a hurdle rate, it makes it so much easier to decrease it further than to push it back up because it's such a hard thing to be disciplined about. And he kind of said about the culture of discipline in the company and how they don't want to push it down, which I was, once again, I was extremely happy to hear. It's kind of like I'm just talking about things that I'm, I've been happy to hear. And there definitely might be that select, selection bias um, where I'm only just taking notes of things. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I love hearing that. Um, but yeah, that the the lessons continue to roll. Let's let's see. Someone asked about common stock investments. Uh, what, given like different kinds of opportunities, whether Constellation would buy common stocks, um, like so public companies, and Leonard talked about how yeah they have made investments in public companies before, but the lesson he learned with minority ownership is that if the management team is not of the highest quality and if Constellation can't have the influence that they normally have, then it doesn't really turn out to be a good result for the company. Um, overall, Leonard said like when they made public investments, it returned much higher returns than when they bought out a company entirely. However, given the amount of time and effort that was required, it wasn't a good trade-off for the kind of um, return that get they would get because they also the the period of time that those returns would persist for was also much uh, shorter for public investments as well because many times these public investments that they have minority stakes in they would just get bought up by private equity companies. I think they said they had something like seven or so investments um, in these public companies um, as of last year and six of them got bought up by private equity companies you know more copycats following what Constellation does and Constellation ended up having the ability to buy one of them but it was relatively somewhat of a hostile situation because they kind of were forced into that because the management would not take any advice from Constellation and so 
Mark and his team felt like they had to um, put in an acquisition bid and they eventually acquired it. But yeah, it's just one of those things where it just doesn't seem like it kind of fits with the culture and how the engine is working. And yeah, that was kind of his uh, discussion on that. So if it's, it's not that conversation won't make public equity investments, but it was kind of more focused on how important it was to have a strong management team um, and for how for the business to have a solid enough moat about it, which kind of portrays to how I should kind of think about the public markets as well. Mm. And yeah, I think there's definitely, the, I think a lot of my interests were kind of near the end, the latter half of the meeting where a lot of the conversation was around um, the culture of the company and how Mark kind of thinks about talent and just people in general. Like he talked about how, yeah, like there's 11,000 people in the company and most of them don't know him. They don't identify with Leonard. They, but however, they identify with the leaders of the individual business units that they work, um, that they are part of the two hundred plus companies inside Constellation. And Mark was very proud of that. He was very proud of the fact that yeah, like he, the focus of Constellation is to continuously push um, autonomy down to the operating companies. And this, I think, this is definitely something that. Um, makes conversation different from Berkshire Hathaway. Like near the end of the shareholder meeting, uh, one, someone asked, you know, what's what's the, what's the similarities and differences of like Berkshire Hathaway and Constellation? Because Constellation software kind of has been dubbed the Berkshire Hathaway of software. Like there's so many copycats calling themselves the Berkshire Hathaway of software, but I think Constellation is the one that did it before it was cool, whereas everyone else kind of came late to the party. Um, and so it's fitting because Lawrence Cunningham, the man who wrote essays on um, essays of Warren Buffett, uh, was there as one of the panelists. And he, I didn't know this, but Lawrence Cunningham was actually involved in helping Constellation assess this, um, and measure the culture based on the books that he had, or based on the essays he had compiled for Warren Buffett. And so Mark Leonard brought Lawrence Cunningham in to work with Constellation on that uh, in the past. And that's probably also how he made it into Cunningham's new book um, about shareholder letters. I forget what the title is. It might be like Dear Shareholder. But yeah, so uh, this kind of speaks to the culture of how Constellation and Berkshire is different because Berkshire is kind of the capital allocation process of Berkshire is that you just have these two superstars at the top, Charlie Munger and you know Warren Buffett, where the capital flows to them, and then they make all these decisions. Whereas in Constellation, all the decision is pushed down to the bit, you know, the operating man- operating unit managers, like the six operating units of Constellation, to even the business unit level, where you have all these two hundred plus business managers, and they have a lot of autonomy to run the business. So it's kind of like even the way like Leonard also described it with Cunningham was how Constellation's more like a, a group of like colleagues, uh, collegiates who work in this fully decentralized unit where M&A and capital allocation decisions are really made at the lower levels compared to Berkshire where everything's made at the top level. And Leonard t- cited how this, the latter, the Berkshire method is more common in what he 
called the high-performing conglomerates that he studied in the past. Like that includes like Jack Henry, uh, Heiko, and some other like, conglomerate companies that I'm kind of blanking on. But yeah, and so I think that's kind of the traditional model that's more familiar where head office makes capital decisions, but conversations kind of moved away from that to create this kind of living organism where everyone operates very uniquely, they have different cultures. And so that's why each operating unit also kind of has their own way of getting together um, to, to share kind of best practices amongst themselves. Um, but yeah, I found that to be relatively interesting. Um, I think on the way of cash, uh, just compensation them itself, there's really no change. Um, I honestly love the way they do it. Like, it's not broken, don't fix it. Like, I think they're one of the few companies where all bonuses are paid out in cash, and it's rather there's a requirement for a portion of the cash bonus. I think that's something like at least 40% have to be... Uh, invested into the company's own shares and it's not like a stock option like you have to buy the public market shares um, although a certain portion is locked up um, for the employees to buy at a much like in like a tax efficient manner so it's a little more favorable for the employees because it's kind of required by the company but still it's exactly what Charlie Munger talks about where you know he was re- recommended how you know instead of stock options executives and insiders should be forced to not forced but they should buy the shares in open market like their shareholders do like i think that's the best way to align incentives and it's kind of i consider it to be the most ethical and moral way to go about things instead of using stock options which i cons- i personally consider to be rather sleazy um i understand that it's a way of providing equity compensation but I think the proper way of equity compensation should be you get cash and you use that cash to buy stock in the stock market. And I think that should be the way to do it. And so Constellation is, I think, one of the very few companies that actually do that, which I love. And I'm happy that they aren't in any mood to change it. Um, Leonard did talk about a potential thing that he floated to the board about trying to incentivize uh, shareholders to be even longer term. Um, and there's nothing clear, no clear guidance on it yet, but they he did talk about um, kind of like a program where he he, try, he he wants to kind of create, I don't know if it's like a separate shareholding class, but a way for the current shareholders to, um, you know, they lock up their shares for a long period of time because they want to be consolation soft, uh, software holders for a long period of time and they would receive some kind of favorable benefit in exchange for the long lockup period which honestly I think I'd be pretty happy to be part of but nothing official on that so I'm really excited to hear how that develops another exciting idea was the idea of spin-outs um, because Constellation has so many companies inside he Leonard said they're exploring the idea of spin-outs for separate business units and that would allow people to kind of realize the value of these individual company shares. And so they they are open to exploring it in the future. So I think that would be really exciting um, to own like small parts of the company as individual stocks. Although he did comment that he doesn't believe that any discount is reflected in the current stock. Um, like any discount regarding the, the big six operating units. So 
Leonard believes, I guess, I can kind of imply that he thinks the stock is fairly priced, which I don't really argue him about. I think, yeah, the valuation is pretty fair at this point. It's still kind of, I wish it was much cheaper <laughs> for it to be a buying opportunity. Um, and yeah, he said, like, if you were to ever expand on a new operating unit, it would most likely come from the Japan uh, operations, but it's currently just an experiment and it's taken him a really long time to build this current structure. Like it took more than 20 years to build this current structure and yeah, it'll take a lot longer for there to be one more operating unit. Um, I think some a good point he also brought up was on the topic of or- organic growth, which is a big component of the company's um, compensation as well as just the way they measure performance of the business and the way Leonard talked about it was how it's kind of an offsetting point where in a year where they're really active on the acquisitions front um, you know their net uh, organic growth may suffer and that kind of gets amplified when you allocate your smartest brightest people on the talent scale to acquisitions and acquiring companies and you don't focus on R&D as much, you don't focus on your customers as much. And so all that kind of results like a double hit to the net organic growth of the existing companies. Where And then, whereas when, so acquisitions are not, there might not be as many acquisition opportunities, you can still then refocus that talent to building out the existing companies. And Leonard talked about how R&D is the largest kind of expense area by even like when they consider like headcount of where all the employees are, like R&D is like the largest uh, component and they are continuously investing in it and they definitely have internal IRR hurdles um, where new projects and, you know, even like software rewrites have to meet these kind of profit criterias where, you know, it can't be like, you know, some software companies where people want to build a new product and they go, okay, well, if they build it, they'll come. That kind of mentality, like Constellation is kind of drilling in the mentality of, okay, well, before we start this project, like what's the intended IRR going to be? Um, they want to make sure that there is a path to profitability. And like that's the culture of it. And that's something they're continuously, I think, educating within their internal culture. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of interesting to hear how they think about the organic side of the business because everyone kind of knows the acquisition side but I think the organic side is also imperatively important too because you just don't want to have the company become careless and where the you know people know Constellation as like oh they buy a legacy software and so they think it's so easy to dis- it'll, it'll be easy to disrupt Constellation and that the business model is not as robust but I think there's definitely more to it than that. And Constellation's talked about how it's really hard for even them to get their own customers to accept and implement the new rewrite software, which is much better, even for like the same uh, like client that's in like these business units because clients are so used to ways of doing things and so they don't even want to change. And I think that's something to note on how sticky the client base actually is and also how the company is continuously finding ways to, you know, kind of cannibalize themselves in terms of the cl- their own products. And how there's also that trade-off of when you're focused on acquisitions, then your organic growth might suffer and vice versa. It's kind of like a two-way street at all times. Mm. 
obviously fun quibs on VC-backed software companies, how many of them are in that blow the cash in the name of large TAM model. And Leonard brought up a good point that I think many companies miss where all these software companies that are VC-funded like to say, oh, like we're going to add all these bundles and target these other TAMs, and they try to tack on overall TAMs on top of each other like a TAM stack and it makes the valuation seem even more higher and the ceiling so much higher for the company but the reality as Leonard puts it is that many of them will never be able to realize that TAM because they can't hit the entire market because the markets tend to be also like specialized in different ways and there's so many niches there so it was just kind of like pointing out how there it's an exuberance in some ways and the reality isn't um, always like that where one software company can dominate everything, which I thought was uh, a fun outlook, kind of testing the, I think, conventional wisdom out there or the or the hyped up wisdom out there. Mm, what else? Yeah, I think overall, um, when Leonard was talking about Constellation's future and just how he plans for the company to grow in, in the coming years is to continuously focus on smaller acquisitions down in the branches, debt used sparingly at disciplined hurdle rates. Like That's just how he would describe Constellation's approach. And I think, yeah, I think that's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, I honestly think it makes it somewhat very like anti-fragile um, in regards to the business model. And it also allows, I think, the business to not suffer so greatly if, for example, like the leader is no longer there, like if Leonard retires at one day and is no longer at the head. Um, because, for example, at like... Berkshire because the capital allocation decisions have always been made by Buffett and mainly Buffett, although like Munger is involved and Ted and Todd are not really running the huge chunk of capital. And I guess that Greg Abel manages like the internal capital, but I think because it's always been made at the head office decision, like when there's constant uh, worry for the existing shareholders and skepticism on what will happen to Buff, uh, Berkshire after the, the top two leave. And I think that issue is less likely to be the case in Constellation because a lot of this, the decisions are being made outside of Leonard's purview. Like he's still extremely involved in acquisitions, but I think because a lot of the capital allocation decisions are being made so early down in the actual business units that you're creating a company that it it's kind of like its own country like it, it'll work by itself it's a living organism that doesn't need the the head it's more like an octopus where the brains all scattered throughout the various tentacles instead of like a human where everything's done at the top yeah i guess that's, that'd be the difference if i had to compare Berkshire and constellation constellation is kind of like an octopus like being whereas um Berkshire is kind of like a human where the brains is centralized at the top yeah don't know if that's the best analogy but that's how I'd go about it um hmm. yeah 
honestly that's generally been it um you know conversation is open to other areas that's not vertical market software but there has said that there hasn't been any other industry uh, or kind of economic model that is as great as vertical market software and it's not that it's the technology like he it's more so the economic model behind it as well as the people that it attracts and that is what um then it looks for as well in the various kind of industry segments he targets for constellation and but it doesn't mean that he's not open to anything outside of vms which is always interesting because he's constantly looking and yeah i think overall it was an awesome annual meeting where i learned a ton more about constellation um and more so kind of sort of gained certainty on how the company is very unique in that they are extremely focused on the culture as well as combining that with the return on capital within the business so yeah it was an awesome day just learning about constellation and yeah that's generally how i spent my day i'd say so it kind of ended after the afternoon <laughs> and then spent more time just reading a bunch of random uh articles here and there just on investing and yeah just enjoying myself so yeah there you have it hope this was fun and informative for you and hope to see uh have you here again tomorrow all right take care